They're all here. The divas, princes, and living legends you should be obsessed with. Sitting down with me. I'm David Goldberg. These are the Luminaries. Affirming confidence and style, Greta Teitelman has become a crown jewel of the comedy renaissance and a welcome departure from her self-deprecating forebears. She joins me to talk about her podcast, The Worst, her career evolution, and her journey to HBO's Los Espoons. I hope you enjoy. Greta Teitelman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Your name has been at, like, when I was conceiving of the podcast, your name was at the top of the list. That's so nice. Yeah, you are, um, well, we'll get into this, but I think you're, like, kind of becoming my hero. Oh, my God, why? I caught myself (laughs) last month telling, like, a 24-year-old comedian that they need to study you. (laughs) I know. Why? Because. That's so nice. Well, this is what I've been thinking a lot about you, uh-huh. and there's been a lot of conversation with you, and Henry Kapersky and I, when we did A Lot of Mushrooms, we talked a lot about you. That's so funny, and, and I love that. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you are, you are a big presence in that trip, and I've been bringing you up a lot with like younger people or people who are just starting because I think when, <clears throat> when I see it, and let's just jump into this, but when I see a lot of performers, there's a lot of like cover-up, and people get on stage, and they aren't. They say things that aren't true of who they are. You know, you'll see a lot of performers in New York and Brooklyn talk about how no one wants to fuck them. They're poor, blah, blah, blah. All these things that aren't actually true. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's someone who's smoking hot and they can't own it or someone who comes from privilege and they can't own it. And what I've been saying to people, really, I have. This has happened, I think, two or three different comedians where I've been like, you need to study Greta because when Greta walks on stage, Greta owns everything about herself (laughs) and Greta doesn't waste anyone's time like, apologizing for anything (laughs) and I had such like a profound experience at your April um, edition of the worst at the Jane Hotel Mm -hmm. you came out in this unbelievable pink kind of bikini half shoulder Mm -hmm. and it was a neon pink it was gorgeous thank you and I just remember being like she's here you know like we're we get to we're not gonna do bullshit of her making fun of herself we're gonna like be with her on a real journey now yes i don't have time to make fun of myself no and nor should you yeah i just like i can't be ashamed for like who i am or where i came from i don't know i don't think that that makes me a bad person i think that when people that like It's hard feeling like if you're a person that grew up privileged, uh, sort of unpacking what that means when you're like in a world of performers and with people that have come from completely different backgrounds. I don't know. I think that for me, trying to lie about it makes it worse. Or like bad. I agree. It's you know, it's sticky. It's not even sticky. It's just like if you are just who you are and you're upfront with people about it, then I kind of feel like no one can really be mad at you. Does that make sense? Like exactly. I don't exactly. know. You know, it's I, I'm incredibly, incredibly, incredibly lucky to have grown up the way that I grew up. That being said, it's not like my life has been fucking peaches and cream. And I think that, like, just because you grow up 
with access to certain things, of course, doesn't mean that your life is completely easy and scotch-free. Certainly. I I spent so much time of so much time pretending like nothing interesting has ever happened to me and I don't have a story because I would be ashamed of privilege that I grew up with and in denial about trauma or bad things I dealt with. And only through years of therapy am I able to look at things holistically and be like, oh, wow, I've actually seen a lot. I've lived through a lot. I actually have a lot to say. But it took a lot of humility. Yeah, and I also think that, like, it's so important that we have conversations with everyone that is not like us and we understand and we open a dialogue and we learn how to be supportive and how to actually promote change and like want change and if you're not willing to be honest about like where you come from and like the life that you are privy to then like I don't really know if there's space to necessarily learn you know what I mean I agree and uh, you know, when I was working on earlier this year a piece about Jewish comedians and I reached out to you to get contact info for someone and you were like, you know, I'm Jewish and I actually didn't want to include you in that article because the crux of the article was about how Jewish comedians do this kind of bullshit like... No, this I read bullshit it. It's like wrangling. a self-deprecation yeah, of and, being and Jewish. I never really got that from you in that way, and that's why I was like, you know, Greta isn't actually right for this because Greta no. kind of figured this out about 10 years ago. I... Yeah, I also like identity and religion and cultural identity is just like so complicated and interesting. Because like I grew up with a Jew, half Jewish on my dad's side and half Catholic on my mom's side. So I kind of grew up with a hodgepodge of both. Mm-hmm. But I went to Hebrew school and I was bat mitzvahed. My parents kind of chose that track for me, my mom was not a fan of the Catholic Church, rightfully so, but I don't know. I think that when people force you to like identify with something that is so personal, like again, I think in the world of comedy when people are like you need to classify yourself so we can understand you, I don't think that that's right. And can I ask in terms of I hate using this word, this term, but like You've done, you've been in the world long enough of like girl comedy at whatever that means. And I'm just curious if you ever had to find yourself like waking up out of getting boxed in as something, either as like a straight white girl comic or like uh, a woman comic who hangs out with straight dude comics. Like it's because that's such a separate scene. I know you in this kind of like queer adjacent world where you're beloved, but I, I often wonder either when you were starting out, when you're doing Lady Lovin', like, when you're in that the kind of more straight world of comedy, did you ever find yourself getting boxed in? And did you ever have to be like, wait, actually, I'm not who you, you're painting me as? Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, because, like, I feel like I haven't been doing comedy for that long. Okay. In my, in my brain, I've been doing comedy for six years. So in my mind, that's not that long. Right. Because when I think about the grand scheme of things, it's like your life. You know what I'm saying? So when I when I think about the last six years, I've definitely – I don't know if I felt like I was boxed in or if I felt like I had to be a certain way. Right. You know? And I think that, like, 
I feel like only in the past year, honestly, have I really figured out what I like to talk about and who I like to be on stage. And I hope that it's the kind of thing that continues to evolve and change as I evolve and change. But like when I first started, um, you know, I had a, I, I remember starting because I am Julio Torres is like a reason why I started doing stand up, mm-hmm. and I vocalized to him that I wanted to start. I like took him to get a coffee with me, and he told me like all these open mics to do and blah 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 blah. And I remember that was the first time I ever really saw like alt comedy. I had never really been exposed to it in that kind of way before, and I remember thinking like. My brain does not function like that. But should it? Like, and then trying to do things that, like, weren't really like me, that weren't really working because, I don't know, it's not really me. Right. And then I kind of got into a more, I guess, mainstream world, partially because... I was just, I lived in the city and I was doing more things in the city and also because I was dating a male comedian who obviously is like a straight male comedian right. in a completely different scene. So then when we were dating, I kind of found myself feeling like I I don't know, I kind of found myself like sort of straying away from like what I actually liked to do feeling like I needed to be a bit more, like, accessible and feeling like my jokes needed to be a bit more, I don't know, like, joke-written. Like, I remember feeling, like, going through this thing of being, like, I need to write real jokes and, like, my jokes need to be, like, set up punch, set up punch. Like, they need to have tags. And, like, I just remember feeling like if I didn't do this, like, exact grind and this exact hustle, then, like, I wasn't doing it right. Um... And then, like, I kind of found myself getting, like, stuck. Like, I had written a bunch of good jokes, and I liked liked them all, but I found myself, like, not really being that, like, excited. I don't know. I hated repeating sets. I, I hated that. I don't get it. I don't get it. You have to, though, at a I certain know, point, know. you know? I understand if you're, like, sharp... I- if I've if I've written an essay or something, I understand like oh that that worked that didn't work, and I understand that with a set. But there is something I think if you're more prone to storytelling, where you're like okay, what's the next one? Well, I just don't want people to get bored. Yeah, and I don't want people to be like ugh, I need to go and watch this again. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, sorry, this is probably really boring for anyone listening about <laughs> no. this, but like basically, yeah. I mean, there were definitely times where I was like, oh, I should try and do what that person does, or I should try and be more like this person. Um, And then, like, those things just, like, don't feel good and don't end up working out. And then you're kind of just like, okay, well, what am I good at and what do I want to say and who am I and what do I want to hear from myself? And that's kind of when I started, like, doing, I think, my best work that I've done so far. And in hindsight, you know, probably 10 years from now, I'll look back and I'll say, oh, that was so fucking bad. <laughs> but, you know, who knows? It's like, I I was just saying before we started recording, I think the older I get, like, the more interesting I become. Thank God, I know. Thank God. And the better our, all of us become. Um, 
Yeah, but like basically I just I just need to be I get the most anxiety and stress when I feel like I am not being seen for what I am and what I have to offer. And I and that's what stresses me out. When I feel like I want to look at people and be like, "No, like look, this is what I'm trying to say." And so now with whenever I get on stage, I just kind of try and think like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to just be seen in the way that I want to be seen and then do that. That is such a good point because that, for me, I go back all the way with my family with that of being like, no, you're not getting it. You guys don't see me. Fuck this. And I would get so angry and you kind of want to like lock yourself in your room because you're like, I'm invisible. What's the point? So then when you get on stage and you still feel that way, it's so painful. But then there is something so kind of like, not just punk rock, but kind of maverick of being like, no, I am going to be seen. Like, you are going to get it, you know? Yeah. A demanding that the audience, like, clicks with you. It's so, it feels so good. Yeah, well, I think that there's, like, in any kind of art, there's something really liberating about being able to just, like, uh, express yourself and then, like, hope people get behind you. But I don't know. It's, like, it's hard I went to art school, and whenever we would do critiques, I studied photography. Whenever we would do critiques, I would, like, kind of find them amazing, and I would also kind of find them counterproductive because it's like we're making work, and when you're doing a creative pursuit, it's not linear. So who's to say what's right or wrong? But we place, like, pressures and expectations and ideas culturally or whatever it is and I don't I don't know sometimes I think that like sometimes I think things can just exist because you want them to exist and create them because you want to create them and I think that like that's the kind of work that I'm the most interested in and that I'm the most drawn to and the kind of people that are creative and like to stretch their imaginations and brains like I'm not as interested in hearing, I don't know. I don't know what I'm about to say. I get what you're saying. When you were just saying that, I thought about Spike Einbinder because Spike will be like, I'm going to New Jersey tonight to do a d- demonic, like Satan period performance that none of you are going to see. And I'm doing it because it sounds fun to me. And there's so Yeah, that, and I think that, that that's like very liberating. Yeah. And I think that like thinking that you thinking that any of us are doing this like as a favor to people is like wrong you know what I mean like this is the most self-absorbed narcissistic bullshit on the planet to be like let me get on stage and let me just you need to pay attention to me and what I have to say is important you need to pay too to see it so I think if you can just like find out ways to enjoy it so many people like Get on, get off stage and like hate their time. And I'm like, then why are you doing this? I just last month, I had at the end of July, I had a live show and I was like, I have no idea what just happened. And two days later, I was like, oh, I have my own live show. It's such an opportunity. Why aren't I having fun? Like, why? Why did that never occur to me once? that I should enjoy myself. Well, because you're so concerned with, is everybody having a good time? Right. Is everybody engaged? Is this what people want to see? Is this what people want to see from me? 
you know, and I think that that's like a normal expectation when you're like doing a show and you're about to host people yeah. and bring them into your world and your perspective. But I lost myself too. And I feel like yeah. I, 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 it was a really good lesson for me because I was like, okay, I need to be in the building. Yeah. Like I should be there. You know, I shouldn't, this shouldn't just be. Again, because it's like no one asked me to do this. I'm no. doing it. So, yeah, that's like the kind of thing. I'm always just like, <laughs> no one, no <laughs> one is like wanted me to do this. It's just me, you know. <laughs> and since it is just me, I gotta kind of like do it how it feels good to me to do it. I spent so long. I still go back and forth, but like you know, when you do things that like you feel like you should do, and you do them, and they don't feel good, right. it's so bad. I know. Sucks. The, the, I am so glad my 20s are over. I truly thank God every day I, that, it, that it's over. I like, I don't know. For me, it's like less of an age thing. I mean, I hated my 20s mostly because my mom died and I had to deal with a shit storm and my life just totally flipped on itself. But I think like had my mom not died maybe I don't think my 20s I think my 20s still would have sucked because there's yeah. so much like self-revelatory stuff that that's, that's happens funny. but I think that like it's kind of an amazing time in your life because you're you're sort of experiencing like your own equinox if you will Absolutely. in real time and like nothing is more visceral than like the growing pains you go through Sometimes it's like waking up during anesthesia, which is like you're witnessing this, like your body and yourself being remade, but you're like trapped watching it. That's what's kind of about it. Or I think that I I do think that there's like a trapped feeling of being like, I want to be doing this. Why am I not doing this? Why am I not here? Why am I not there? That was filled with a lot of it for me. Why am I not here? Yes, that's most of my 20s. Till about, yeah, last the last year or last two years. Yeah, it's like, I, I mean, but also shit gets, like, complicated. I'm sure that, like, moving, it's not like all of a sudden I'm going to, it's not like all of a sudden in our 30s we're going to be like, oh, life is fucking great. I just think, again, like, the older you get, the more confident you get and the better you feel about yourself. And the less, I, I guess for me, I feel like I'm now learning that I'm not going to die all the time. I think most of my life, and certainly most of my 20s, any time something bad happened, I thought I was going to die. And now I'm like, I think, ideally, as I go into my 30s, that won't be at, I'll just be like, okay, it'll be fine. Yeah, That's I'm like, I'm like cool with dying, personally. Okay. I'm like, I'm not cool with aging. It's my biggest fear. Okay. Aging is my biggest, biggest, biggest fear. Like, my body just shutting down, me looking at myself in the mirror, being like I'm unrecognizable. I It gives me so much anxiety. I My mom hated aging, and okay. my mom would always vocalize how terrible it was to me and my sister. She did not feel, like, more in her body or more confident or more anything. If anything, the older she got, the more it got taken away from her. And, like, I just... You know, I look at myself in the mirror now and I'm like, wow, this is I love like I love what's happening with my face right now. And like thinking about it changing and being wrinkly and old and like in my 80s, it it makes me like it makes me depressed. It's crazy. Something that I need to work on with my therapist. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, that's I don't know. I just remember one time you interviewed a 
Blair. Mm-hmm. Blair and Blair Sochi, Sochi. God, Saki. I always do this wrong. Saki. You and Blair Saki, and you said, um, you know, you're going to be the moms who microdose while your kids are on play dates. 100%. And I was like, that sounds amazing. And then I could totally see you as kind of this like, Goldie Hawn type as as you get older. 100%. And I pray and I hope. Yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely going to get a facelift. You think I'm not? Please. I 100% am. Oh, I just watched. Too. I, yeah, that's, that's true. <laughs> the best work. I just was watching Sharon Osbourne, like, oh just God. debuted her new face. And I was like, I'm obsessed with that. Oh, she looks amazing. fucking great. She looks great. She's living it up. Yeah. yeah like, you know what? I just. Jane Fonda got a facelift and it's like she even says and I felt bad that she's like I'm not proud and I kind of like I feel this even though I'm so young when she's like I'm not proud of the fact that I felt like it was what I had to do in order for me to like feel comfortable in my body yeah but like I understand that concept did you watch her documentary yes so I think it's the best thing I've ever seen. It is. And, but the, that there's an amazing part in it, which is like her career is at this low. She gets asked to present at the Oscars and she gets like did up. And she's like, everyone noticed me because I looked really good. Yeah. And then she gets mos- monster-in-law. Yeah. And it's like, fuck yeah, Jane. Like she, And she, she hadn't worked in like 14 years yeah. or something crazy. And she did look snatched out of her mind. I know. And she felt good, too. I know. That documentary is really harrowing because there's just this sense of like she never she did liberate herself she did vindicate herself but she is kind of always under this yoke of like codependency and she could never really like crack the matrix and that is scary that is a thing about getting older because i i always think like no i'll work my stuff out i'll i'll have all all these things i won't have those issues that my mom had and it's like you know, you can't I don't know. Win it the all. older I get, the more I'm just like, fuck. Like, I, I get why I used to like get upset when my mom would, you know, just like dumb bullshit. And I'm like, yeah, I get it. Like, especially living out in LA where I feel like you're constantly confronted in entertainment oh with God. like beauty and age and blah, 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 blah. I'm really constantly just like, like in the world of acting, I will be auditioning for roles of a mom tomorrow. <laughs> like I, I have auditioned to be a mom. Yeah. You know, surreal. and it's just like, what am I gonna be a mom to a fucking fifteen year old? On the Gossip Girl reboot. Yeah, yeah. like <laughs> probably. You know, I don't know. It's like it's it's crazy. Yeah. I do have a fear of like turning to dust. That's like, these are my biggest fears. It's just like suddenly, like, it didn't hit at the right time and it's just over. And that, I'm like, and I'm like, God, like, what am I left with? But ultimately, you just need to have confidence that that's like not going to happen. And I get so scared because I feel like things have just started feeling really good in the last year or so. And I just keep being like, okay, I literally just landed on this planet. Like I spent most of my life in this just like miasma of anxiety and depression and family bullshit. So now I'm like, okay, I actually like, let me have fun now. Like I I don't want it taken away. I am very scared of like things ending now because things just got good. I do though think that like we are way more in control than we allow ourselves to feel. And, like, if you 
like if you feel like you're and I becoming irrelevant or like people have stopped caring, <laughs> it's like on you to change that in your brain. Totally. You know, and I think that our brains just I mean, this is on some real like LA woo woo shit, but I really do believe that like we all just manifest our lives. And granted, circumstance, privilege, all these other things definitely play huge parts in this. But I do think that, like, the thoughts we have about ourselves do manifest into reality. And, like, I suffer with, like, serious self-hate talk and, like, meanness to myself. And when I figure out figured out like oh if i continue talking to myself like this i will be manifesting this into a reality that like i ultimately know isn't real so i do think that it's like our brains are so powerful and like absolutely that a huge part of that for me i had to learn to start taking compliments because yes. I, when people would compliment me i would immediately shut it down and then i had to just say like okay whether you believe it or not you need to literally take it so that you're not denying it no and maybe one out of ten of those compliments you'll believe and you'll start like um kind of putting out into the world and also and like and reverberating we have this notion that like people like no one has to compliment you again you know it's, again we think like oh they're just saying that actually there have been so many times where i like I will only give a compliment if I'm if I mean it. I'm not like going up to someone randomly being like, I love your bag. Yeah. This isn't mean girls. I'm not like then turning around being like, that bag is shit. You know? <laughs> I love your comedy. Yeah. I, you're so funny. But then I do also get pissed if someone after a show goes up to the my friend and they're like, your set was so great. And then they look at me and they're like, have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> but it's fine. <clears throat> I want to ask you about manifestation because um, – Earlier this summer, you were on Los Spookies. Mm-hmm. You played uh, U.S. Ambassador mm-hmm. Melanie Gibbons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and when I was watching that, it was impossible for me not to watch that in Mushroom Vision because I just saw you in this spectacular ensemble wig set that was pretty much all pink. You know, I think of myself as the pink prince. I always think of you as the pink princess. And to me, there was it was a little more than just like, oh, how are we going to give Greta a good part? It seemed like something bigger was clicking just in the way that you're kind of arriving on screen. And I was wondering, <laughs> like, if and if you felt like when either when you got to set or when the part was happening, some something kind of cosmic or in your head had to click for that to manifest. Because it almost seems supernatural to me. I was like, how is Greta on this HBO debut in like a pink fantasy made by Julio? Like that's larger than life. I mean, you looked like candy. I think that I was very, very, very lucky that Julio and Anna believed enough in me to be that character. Um, They literally were like, be how you are on stage. Um, And that's been proof to me that like when I'm myself, good things happen. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. That role, I just like, I get I get that person. I get her. You know what I mean? I'm not her, but like, I'm also not not her. Right. <laughs> you know? There's an, there is an aspect. Yeah. It was like the Barbie version of you in a good way, I think. It was like a, yeah, it's like a totally like, I don't know. Some people might think she's vapid. I think she's like smarter than people give her credit for. Um, I just like understood that character. I understood what I think they were trying to use her for on the show. And I think that I was able to just like tap into that, you know? Yeah. With everyone on that show, with Spike and Lorelai and Fred and Anna and Julio and and the Cassandra and right. the the everyone else that's on the show. It's kind of a show where like we all are doing things that are natural to us, you know? Right. Yeah, it I it just seemed like you kind of it seemed like they were they, it wasn't like a role and they just found you to play it. It seemed like they they took something they saw in you and like enhanced it to an obscene degree, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I mean But it was very inspiring. I was like, Oh, Greta's Look, I'm happy to inspire people to be <laughs> writing absurd characters like that. And the, and that's like that's such a it's such a dream to be able to work with your friends and to work with people that inspire you and like to you know act in a way where like you feel good and confident and that's like that's the reason why we are all doing this you know I feel like anytime I've listened to an interview with you you just kind of like let it rip and you're really able to just carry it and be very present I don't think I can do that. Like, I can't really josh around. I need to kind of know what I'm going to talk about. And I think a part of it is, like, maybe I still put people on pedestals so I feel really insecure around them. No, I think that you're just a professional. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you're just, like, doing professional work. And I'm just like, come to my kitchen. My dog's going to bark. And we have nothing really to talk about. So, But you can, like, keep it going. You get people to reveal these insane truths and these crazy stories. And it often gets very deep. Yeah, I mean, that's the goal. (laughs) But you're doing it now. I don't know. I like sometimes I'm like, fuck, I should prepare things. I should I should have things that I want to talk about and like whatever. But then I think that like the way that I like to conversate, I don't know. I asked my friend the other day, I was like, do you think I'm good at interviewing? And he was like, no, but I think you're fun to watch, have a conversation with. Amazing. And I was like, but I want to be a good interviewer, yeah, you know? That's tricky. And there's a difference being like a, being good at interviewing people and, but, and but being, being a good, good conversationalist. Yeah. That's, I think, what you have. And like, there have been people on your podcast who have talked about like their journeys with AA or Al-Anon that were really inspiring to me where I was like, whoa, that's such a different side of that person that you usually don't get that Greta was able to like bring them into kind of a chill space and then it came out. Well, something that I that I don't like about comedy is that I think that like, or not that I don't like, I think that as comedians, whenever we're put on podcasts or whatever, like I don't need to hear about like how you 
you know, what inspired you to start comedy. I'm honestly, like, not interested in that at fucking all. <laughs> the fact of the matter is you're doing it and, like, good for you yeah. and, like, happy it's your chosen art form. But, like, I want to talk to you about some real shit. I'm not – I don't need to hear, like – when I started in Bushwick and, you know, what I kind of did at the fucking top of your show, I'm sorry, I apologize, but it's just, it's, I, there's something like, I'm so bored of people like not being fucking real and like being, like just not being real. It, it bums me out. Which is why I do think, like it's a cliche, but whether it's therapy or religion or astrology, you got to do some sort of reflection if you want to be in any form of art because you need to if you're not digging or doing some sort of excavation I feel like the art or the performance is always going to be a little 2D yeah and like I also look I don't think the performance needs to be like I'm going to tell you all about myself my real life do all these things I think I think that you can be so true and authentic in such an abstract, surreal way that has nothing to do with your life. But you still need to be present. Yeah, or you just need to, it just needs to feel like it's like beaming from your soul. Exactly. You know? And to do that, you, in my case, I felt like I had to clear out a lot of schmutz and relics and stuff in the basement. You know? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's been a lot about me like dealing with self hate and self doubt and like, feeling you know all this shit of feelings of worthiness <laughs> and whatever else you know it's hard what being is... alive is challenging <laughs> i know it's always something yeah yeah it's always i i i, I, I there's always another shoe that drops I, yes. I had that this morning where i was just like okay here we go i was talking with my uncle at dinner a few nights ago and it's like the to expect life to be like good is wrong. Right. <laughs> like it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. We have high it's just up and down, up and down, up and down. And I think that like when you can sort of adjust your expectation of life to be up and down, then it becomes a lot easier. And welcome the surprises and the good moments. Yes, well, you need arms. to feel really good about the good moments because yes. there's going to be a bad moment like right behind it <laughs> that takes its thunder, you know? Yeah. I can list you all the bad things that happened to me this year faster than I can list you all the good things. That's just because it's what we focus on. <laughs> I'm I'm curious, um, you know, I'm lucky to have you the night, the day of you have your show at the Jane tonight. Mm -hmm. And I saw you do it in April. I know you recently were in Chicago with Sarah Squirm. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious linearly how that journey's been, how you're how you feel you're you've been developing. If you look at the last six months, last year, or the last few years, like how you feel like what you do has been developing and what you wanna be exploring more and what you feel like you've been kind of move moving forward with that may have been hard for you in the past. Hmm. And I know that's kinda of open ended. I mean just as you're as you're going in tonight and as you're looking out to the future, um, I'm just curious what what's stimulating to you when you when you perform live? What's been like grabbing you and what are you like, oh, I want to do more of this or I haven't tried this yet. I want to do this in the future. Um, this is a complicated question. 
Let me see. First, what I did with Sarah Squirm, I did my live podcast with Sarah Squirm. So that is different. And it becomes complicated because I started my storytelling show called The Worst. And then I started my podcast called The Worst. And now it's all hodgepodge together. And everyone's kind of like, what am I seeing? Am I seeing a live podcast or am I seeing the storytelling show? Listen, I have the same with the Luminaries and then the fucking Queer Luminaries live show, which isn't the same, but people think, I get it. You know, it's like too much cross-branding. I'm going to need to rename it something. I know. So um, (laughs) the interesting thing about the show that you saw me do in April, which is the show that I'm doing tonight, I don't get to perform that show that often. Mm. I only get to, this will be my sixth time doing that show. Okay, wow. And um, it's a real learning experience every time I do it. That Like in that show, I, I'm just like focused on storytelling and like telling stories that are incredibly personal to me in a way that is like uh fun for people to engage with and listen to um i don't know like i constantly feel this pressure of being like like are people gonna want to come back to the show and hear it again and again but the reality is is like I'm building an hour and I wanted this show to be something larger than it is. And I know that like the only way that will happen is if I continue to work on it and build on it and like not really give a fuck if people care that they're hearing the same shit. Also, like I don't do the show often enough where if you came to my show in April and you come again tonight, it's like six months that has passed, five months that has passed. I don't know. It's going to sound different, be different, I hope. And I think that, like, my goal is to just, I don't know. I think that, like, when I remind myself that my strength is, like, already in my brain and, like, I it, I'm, I already contain it, it's not something that I've written down or done in the past, it's all within me, right. then I feel like that's what I try and do. And that's when I feel like most connected and most fun and I have the best time is when I just remind myself like it's all in me and I don't need to worry that. But that's just my style. That's just my vibe. You know, like I when I tried to write down everything meticulously and like completely transcribed jokes and what I would say like that just like didn't work for me and it made me and when I would look at it on a page it would seem so stupid and like dumb so now I just like have to trust that like what I'm talking about is good and fun and I think you've done enough and you have enough experience where you can say like I'm just gonna be present that in itself is not something that everyone can do that in itself is a skill to go on stage and be actually in dialogue with people on stage with you and with the audience and not just in your head again going over your rote memorization. Yeah, and it's like I don't know. I I just I think that yeah, my goal with that show and just like generally in the things that I'm interested in exploring are just like how do we excavate all of these issues like we're talking about from our yeah. past and like and have a good time while talking about it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Um, so I guess I'm just curious, like, what any of your other dreams are 
Um, oh my god! I know. I'm sorry. I'm putting you on the spot. I'm just curious because I, I, and I know a lot of your fans like want to be in service to you. So I'm just curious <laughs> what what you want to um, do um, next or in the beyond. I hope to continue to stay relevant enough that people even give a fuck about anything that I do. No question. <laughs> what do I want to do? Everything. Yeah. I want to keep acting. I want to keep doing comedy. I want to, you know, I'm getting married. I want to be happily married. Yes. I want to, like... Travel. I want to make art. I don't know. I want to just do everything. Everything you're already doing. You just want to keep doing it, it sounds like. Yeah, but I want it to explode. You know yes. what I'm saying? Yes. I want it to... I want someone to fucking verify my ass on Instagram. That's insane. That's my new campaign. Wait, <laughs> you're not there? No, they refuse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's the most petty shit in the world, and but they refuse. Hold on, because for those of you who don't know, Greta um, posts videos of her getting blasted on matcha and dancing <laughs> in her living room while her dog, is that Bernie, uh, watches yes. in terror. And those videos are healing. They and are. A They're for the, the community. community. <laughs> they are. I need them. I am a business. And I often copy them because sometimes I'm like, I'm really depressed. It's 10 a.m. on a Wednesday. I'm going to fucking blast. Yeah. Abba, turn on my phone and record myself doing it. And I always 100% of the time feel better after. Yes. So you deserve verification Thank and hopefully you. some revenue for this. You know, look. Someone over there doesn't like me. <laughs> it's because I don't have any art. They say I don't have any articles written about me. I'm just little old me. That's insane. It's what they say. Just little old me okay, living my case. life. <laughs> <laughs> me being a petty bitch. I don't fucking care. I'll say it. You guys want to know what I want for my future? A fucking blue check to validate my my second alternate universe existence. But this is how I know that I can serve you now because I'm like, okay, I have to start pitching articles about Greta. Okay, <laughs> great. I'm on the case. Um, no, I don't know. I just want to like, I honestly just want to um, continue to like like myself and work hard. And continue to pursue things that interest me and not pursue things and not get bogged down by, like, the shit that I see other people doing. Yes. So I think my ultimate goal is to, I want to, you know, I want to make movies. I want to make television shows. Yes. I want to be in movies and be in television shows. I want to have a comedy special. I want to tour. I want to do all of these things. But, like, also outside of that, I want to just, like, continue to work on myself more more so than anything and like continue to just like because I think the happier I am or the more I grow the better my work is I agree. and the better the probability of success is so I think that ultimately I I know I can be the most successful person on the planet I'm the only person that will prevent me from doing that I, I agree, and I think it takes it back to what we've been talking about, which is like, you know, you're afraid you won't be seen. You kind of deal with that, and you get okay with yourself, and then you are seen. Yeah. And people like Julio and Anna are putting you in an all-pink 
<laughs> you know, set yeah. and kind of worshiping you. And like that's to me, I was like, there's a there's something to this. Yeah. And I think you'll have all that and more. I, I mean, nothing's I, in your way. I hope. I'm I'm again the only thing in my way. Yes. Yeah. Which is pretty formidable. <laughs> Because you're pretty powerful. Because I'm pretty powerful, yeah. <laughs> and that's dark magic when it's turned in. It is. It is. So where can we be following you? Follow me um, online. You can follow my Instagram at Gertie Bird. It's, it's not <laughs> verified. So uh, just follow me. It's fun. Um, and then listen to my podcast called The Worst. The Worst comes out every Monday, and it is... For me, it's weekly listening. It's essential. Thank I never you. miss an episode. It's the most relaxing. Uh, there's never been an episode where I feel like someone's off or someone's trying to prove themselves. It's Greta just like, come sit in my home. Thank it's you. It's a perfect podcast for like getting stoned and doing laundry. Yes. It. Thank you. Uh, and I, I, I'm like beside myself that you're here. Greta. I, I'm I really so honored. Thank yeah. you for having me on. Yeah, I, I'm such a... I, I'm such an admirer, and I've learned so much just watching you, and I oh, hope other people thank get you. Now. You're making me feel so much more important than I am. Let's you up your show tonight, babe. Thank you. Okay, thank you. If you enjoyed this episode of The Luminaries, let me know. Give me a five-star rating on iTunes. Write a glowing encomia. Share it on your Instagram stories. Email it to your Aunt Joan. And help make this series bigger and better with every episode. Thank you for listening, and let's grow together. See you next Tuesday. Bye-bye. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.